Welcome to Grace to All. I'm your host, Paul Gray. You've probably used the word grace, sang Amazing Grace, or said grace at a meal. But did you know that God's grace is way better than we can even imagine, and that you and all people already have an abundant supply of God's unlimited amazing grace? Today, we're going to hear the truth about God's amazing grace to all people. So, sit back, relax, and prepare to be inspired and awakened to the amazing treasures that you already possess. This is truth that you can handle. Hey, everybody. Thanks for being with me again for another edition of Grace to All with Paul Gray. What I've been doing in my group here in Midwest and with folks all around the world is helping us to create a culture of grace. And I'm not the only one doing this, of course. There are little pockets all over, some pockets bigger than others all over. And many of us now, because of the internet, because of Zoom and live streaming and things like that, we have groups of people that join us from all over. This morning in our group, we had people from I think five different countries had some new people with us and people from several different states here in the United States too. And I never know, of course, who's listening to or watching one of these podcasts, unless you guys let me know, which I really appreciate it. When, when you make comments and even if you disagree with me, as long as we do that civilly, I love to interact with people and help each other along the journey. And I learn from you guys too. So please do that. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do punch the subscribe button. And then anytime that you make a comment or like or something, that does, of course, help people in the algorithm for when they're looking for something like grace or what we're talking about. So this culture of grace that we and other people are doing, it's really hard to define. It's certainly a, it's a movement, if you will. Every 500 years or so, there's been a huge movement spiritually for example, when Jesus came and then some different things happened 500 years after that and a thousand years after he was here. And then, of course, the Reformation happened in the 1500s. And I won't go into all of those, but this is 500 years basically after that. And there's just an amazing tsunami of grace that's going worldwide. And it's not a denomination. It's not a, it's hard to label it. And it's a good thing that we don't label it. There certainly is no hierarchy. There's no statement of faith or headquarters or anything like that. They're just people who are coming into the awareness of God's unconditional love and grace, the fatherhood of God, that God is a father. He's in us all. He's not distant or separated or any of those things that religious taught us. And then the word inclusion, that we're all included. That's one of the things that really sets this growing movement apart from some well, there are a lot of churches that have grace in the name. There are three or four here in the city that I live in, probably more than that. Grace Baptist, Grace Presbyterian, Grace Luther, great different things. However, people have different understandings of grace. And the thing that really sets apart the group, the movement, the tsunami, whatever it is that you call it we have, is the understanding of inclusion, understanding that we're all in God's family. We're all connected. We're all one with each other. There are no ins and outs, no excluded and included. We're all God's children. So that's something that is 
I'm coming more and more and more aware of that we're just, we're all. And that's a lot different, of course, than what religion teaches. I've got a little acrostic that I put together that I mentioned to you at different times before that's helpful for me in in creating a culture of grace with the letters G-R-A-C-E, grace being God. And that's our growing understanding that God is Father and that He's all our Father and we're all in His family. The R being relational, and that being that God is a trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The important thing about that to understand is God has always been relational. God has never been a single lone entity. God has always been relational. And we can understand that three-in-one concept. We can grasp a little bit of it, but certainly not the totality of it. But the important thing to know is that God has always been relational. God didn't have to have, he didn't have to create anything. He was perfectly happy. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit had all that they could ever want. They were perfectly happy. They just wanted to expand their happiness and their joy into more people. And so they created a family like parents. You don't have to have kids. There's no law. Nobody puts a gun at your head saying you have to procreate. You have to have kids. But parents have kids because they want to, because they want to include them. They want to love them. They want them to be in the family. So GR, God's relational. The A stands for agape, which is a Greek word that was only used at the time to talk about God's special kind of love. God's love with no conditions. Absolutely none. No conditions, no limits, no caveats, nothing you had to earn or could earn to merit or anything, just pure love, one-way love from God to us without any conditions. That's what agape is. So God's relational agape love through Christ, that's the sea in grace, Christ being the entity that the God that's in us all, Christ in you, God is in everyone. We all have that spark of divine in us. We're all connected with God. And Christ has given us the example, not not example really, but God has shown us what the Father is like. And up until Jesus came, nobody knew what God was like. People had all these, there were a million concepts of God. There still are today, unfortunately. But people had these different concepts of what God was like, and none of them were like a father. But Jesus came to introduce to us what we call now the lost father, that since Adam and Eve, that people had lost the concept that God truly was a good loving father. And then E in grace, God's relational agape through Christ, is Christ is the exact representation of the Father. So that helps us in our growing understanding of God and ourselves and others, because once we know that Christ is the exact representation of God the Father, then anything we read in Scripture, anything we hear in a sermon or at a Bible study or a small group or from a TV preacher or any book that we read or a conversation that we have, anything that we hear about God that is contrary to Christ and who Christ is and what he's like and what his nature is and what he's taught us about God, then is a perverted and distorted perception of the only true God. See, we know through Christ, and Christ said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. We know that God is totally accepting of everyone. Jesus just went out of his way to accept 
the worst of the worst of the worst of the worst of his society to almost like stick it in the face of the religious people who were exclusive and say, no, God is inclusive. Everybody is included. We have forgiven everyone. We don't hold anything against anybody. We don't keep a record of wrongs. We've done away with the law. We never wanted the law to begin with. We never wanted sacrifices to begin with. So once we know what God is really like, as we see through Jesus, then this culture of grace, just it grips us. And you can never go back to thinking that God is a punitive, separate, distant deity, just watching from a distance with a bad attitude waiting to zap you. Now, having said all of that, the culture of grace is way, way, way different than religion, way different than cultures of religion. There are a few similarities. There are people who get together. There are people who serve and love and help each other and enjoy being together and sing and and different things like that. But that's, I won't say that's where it ends, but that's pretty close to where it ends. What we do is we do minister. Traditionally, minister's been a title of a pastor of a church, if you will. Ministers is really a verb. What we do is we minister something to other people. And what we do is we minister grace, which includes grace is actually the embodiment of unconditional love in all of its elements. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, the faith of Christ, Holy Spirit, power, compassion, and mercy, acceptance. What we do is we minister that and we use words when we have to, but mainly we just do it by our actions and our deeds and our looks and a touch and the way that we treat people, the way that we accept people, the way, way that we help people. We all have a ministry in this movement or whatever you want to call it that it is. We don't have titles. I mean, there, there's no organization to belong to, but what we do is we just minister, if you will, that term. We minister grace, God's unconditional love and favor and compassion and acceptance and inclusion to everyone. So we're studying these days in the book of Ephesians, which was originally a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to this group of people in a church that he had started, a church. It wouldn't look like a church to us today. It didn't have a building. It was a place where people met in homes or met outdoors, met down by a riverside or something like that, but primarily in people's homes. And Paul started that group by teaching them about Jesus and about grace. He left to go on and start other groups around the known world then, and he's writing this letter back to them. And I'm reading to you today from the Mirror Translation, which my friend Francois de Toit has put together. And this is a paraphrase, but it, it's a one of the best translations that there is. And he really captures the spirit of grace and inclusion and Papa's unconditional love. So here's what the Apostle Paul is saying to these folks. He says, my ministry is not measured by the size of my prison cell. He's writing it from a prison. And of course, prisons then were nothing like they are today. Prisons are not a pleasant place to be today. But in his day, for the most part, they were a hole in the ground where you were there by yourself and everything that came in stayed there. If you catch my drift, there was no toilet. They lowered his food to him in a bucket. The light he had came from sunlight. At other times, he was in a, a prison that was built to 
uh, you know, to house several people with different rooms. But this particular time, our understanding from church history is that he was in like that hole in the ground type of thing. He says, my ministry is not measured by the size of my prison cell. Now, in my past times as a pastor, when pastors would get together, you know, the we would want to find out how big each other's church were, how many people we were baptizing, how many people were coming to the service, how many people were in small groups. That's how we measured the size of our ministry. Paul saying his ministry is not measured by the size of the building he was in. It was measured by grace. He said, grace measures my ministry. This prison cell cannot contain or hide my message from you. And Paul was looking at the unseen eternal realm then. He wasn't looking at what he could see right in front of him that his five senses could tell him. But he he had this concept. He had this idea from God who lived in him, who he knew that. He had this understanding that the letters he was writing and the messages that he was sending out were going around the world to people like this church in Ephesus. He wrote this while he was in prison and somewhere else. He understood that his messages were going out and reaching people all over. And of course, that's what's happening today because of social media. The messages that we have are going out all over the world. I never know, as I mentioned earlier, who's reading or who's watching unless I hear from you. And then it, it really blesses me and encourages me and inspires me when some of you all let me know that, that you're seeing that. So he says in verse two, then he says, it's common knowledge that I've been entrusted with a message that reveals in how included you Gentiles are in the grace gift of God. Now, that's a really important phrase there. Paul was a Jew, and he was a hyper-Jew. He was a Pharisee. He was one of the leaders of the religious sect of Judaism, the council, the Sanhedrin, which ruled everything, except they were you know, occupied by Rome. But this group had authority under the Romans for everything, not just religion, but every commerce, social mores, everything. And they thought that they were God's chosen people. And everybody else, anybody who wasn't a full-blooded Jew that was God's uh, one of God's chosen people, they thought everybody else was separated from God, not part of God, far from God. And they called them Gentiles. And Gentiles was not a nice word. It's like we it's not like we would say Canadians, you know, or Germans or where no. Gentiles was they would almost spit when they would say that word. But Paul had this understanding from God that Gentiles were included in the grace of God just like everybody else in the whole world was. So again, that's a big part of what sets us apart in the group. And we know we're not apart, so that's really not a, a good term to use. But that's, that's something that defines us in that we understand and we believe that we are all included in the grace gift of God. Now, of course, not everybody knows that yet, but where everybody is already included, you can't merit it, you can't earn it, you don't get it by asking God to come into your heart or anything like that. You already have it. Now, just a couple of more verses here and we'll finish up. He says in verse three, you must have heard how this mystery was revealed to me in a dramatic disclosure that broke the silence of a long-kept secret. He said, I've previously written briefly about this. Well, what he had written briefly about that, he wrote to the church in Galatia, and then he had the people 
in those churches pass the letters around to the other churches. We call those letters today epistles or books of the New Testament. And he wrote this in the book of Galatians, chapter 1, verse 15 and 16. He leads up to that by telling how he was the worst sinner of all. And by that, he explained that he had an incorrect view of who God was. And he thought God was separate and mean and vengeful and wrathful and punishing everybody and separate from everybody. And he punished people who didn't believe that way, particularly Christians. And so God got a hold of him one day when Paul was, his name was Saul then, he was on the road going to a city named Damascus where he was going to get a bunch of Christians who were there. And he had the authority to do that and put them in jail if they resisted to kill them, to take their livelihood from them, to get, you know, get them fired from their job, from all of that kind of stuff. And well, God showed up, knocked him off his horse and or mule or whatever he was riding and spoke to him and said, Saul, you've gotten it all wrong. You don't think Jesus is God, but I am Jesus and I am living in you and I've always been in you. I set you apart from birth and now I'm calling you to go and tell everybody, even those despised Gentiles to you, to tell them that I'm in them too. Well, that got Saul's attention and he changed. He, he virtually changed overnight. And then Jesus took the next 13 years even though Jesus had died and resurrected and gone to heaven then, Jesus in the form of the Holy Spirit of grace in Saul taught him all of these different things that Paul wrote in those books, which we now know as the gospel of grace. So he's saying that's that's what happened. So he said, now, what I want you to do, this is in verse four of Ephesians three. He says, ponder these words and you will perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ. Well, the words he's saying to ponder there are everything that he's written so far in that letter, Ephesians 1, 2, and now verse 3. And what he said, and we've been talking about that for several weeks now, what he said in those what we call verses, they weren't verses when he wrote it, it was just a letter. He said, you all were included and made one with God in Christ before the beginning of time. You are all loved unconditionally by God. God's grace has encompassed all of you and continually provides everything for you that you need. You have all the riches in the heavenly realms. You have it all. You are included. God is your father. You were set apart from before birth. You have been seated with God in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. You are right with God. You're sozo, the word that we translate saved. You're God's workmanship. So he says, Ponder all of these things, and you will get a glimpse of Paul's insight into the mystery of Christ. Well, what is the mystery of Christ? I'm going to leave you with that in just a minute. I'd like you to ponder, as Paul said, what actually is the mystery of Christ? We talked about that in our online group this morning. There were, I don't know, 20, 25 of us or so, and, and we took like about an hour and 15 minutes just to discuss what it meant to us, what the mystery of Christ is. And it, it's multifaceted, like a diamond, like grace, like God's unconditional love. But some of the different things, the mystery of Christ that nobody knew up until that time, and unfortunately, many people don't know now, but they're finding out, mystery is that Christ is in every single person. Paul wrote about that to the church in Colossae in Colossians 1.27. He says, Christ is in you the hope of glory. And he was writing to non-Jewish people then. 
He was saying, this is the mystery that God showed me, that Christ is in you, the Gentiles, everybody on the face of the earth. Christ is in you. So a big part of the mystery of Christ is that Christ is already in you, and he loves you, and he's for you, and he's all good, and there is no sin issue between you and God. He has included you. You're in God's family. You're right with God. He's given you every single blessing that there is. That's a mystery because hardly anybody knows that. And that's a huge part of what this culture of grace is all about. We understand, we've learned from the teacher in us, the Holy Spirit in us, we've learned the mystery that Christ is in everyone, that God is good, totally good. God loves everybody. God is pure light with no trace of darkness, and God is for everybody. And because there have been little pockets of people that grasped this, you know, ever since Jesus did his ministry, but religion didn't like that because that put religion out of business. Religion needed paying customers who could come every week and be told how bad they were and how God hated them and God was keeping a list of their wrongs and how they had to do these certain things to get right. And they had to keep coming back and paying money every week to know what other things they'd been doing wrong and needed to be right. When people understood the good news of the gospel that we were already right with God, we couldn't get any righter. When people understood that, well, religion didn't like that. So like with Jesus, they just killed people, set them on fire, burned them up, tortured them, whatever. Well, there have always been pockets, though, who've known these truths. And today, because of the internet, because there are so many around the world, religion can no longer put people out of business. Now, they try to. They disparage us. They call us names on Facebook and, and stuff like that. But they can't put us... We're not in business, but they can't, I use the phrase, they can't put us out of business. So it's a wonderful age that we live in, not only because of the internet, but especially because there's this growing group of people worldwide that's understanding that God is good and God is good to and for everybody and we're all included. Hey, I hope that's encouraging to you all. It certainly is to me and I love having the opportunity to share these things with you and I'm just grateful for it. So I appreciate you all being with us today. Look forward to seeing you next time on the next edition of Grace to All with Paul Gray. Love you all. See you next time. Thank you for listening to Grace to All. For more about us, how we can serve you, and our special guest, please visit www.gracewithpaulgray.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and to join our Facebook group, Grace to All, where you'll be inspired and awakened to more truth that you can handle.